Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. And lately, I've been talking about, real specifically, about the decline that is in the culture. And often an individual person know within himself if one, if he was born again and if he's fallen off or not, or when he meets someone passionate like uh, Pastor Molino, that he is not at that level. And every revival is preceded by the right information that locates us. And in that location, there, there is a conviction that should be in our hearts when Father says what was said is you. We don't say, well, God, I don't know. We say, yes, sir. And the appropriate response is acknowledgement, repentance, and then restoration. From that restoration, there's a process of development. And what God is doing is raising up a generation basically in secret. Now, we, the dedicated is really still pretty much hidden. Like David being the eighth son. You know I talked with you at the beginning of the year about the eighth. His mama didn't recognize his level. His daddy didn't recognize his level. When Samuel came looking for the next king, they didn't know that God was, trans, was developing a, a man right amongst them that would represent foretaste Jesus is called David's greater son. So this man was able to bring together the three basic offices of Jesus, prophet, priest, and king. The ministry that we are headed for right now of Jesus is his ministry as king. We move from prophetic, a prophetic mode, which a prophet prophesies. He, he not only for, forth tells, he foretells, meaning that through his relationship with the almighty God, the creator of the ends of the world, he finds out what's going to happen and what shall be said, should be said. To bring the generation into a place of divine pleasure. The ones who accept the message, repents, is restored, and then discovers his reason for existence. Now, we know from John 1 that Jesus is the author of life. And that when God said, let us make man, that in effect was Jesus. John 1, 1 on through verse 14. And so, it would be a scandal for us to be alive and not know the reason for it. And then to know the reason for it and not attribute it to God Almighty. So that all life, no matter how it came, is still authorized by God. You may have come the wrong way, but as I've said about my own life, you are the right result. Yes. Could not be in the world if God didn't ordain it. Now, to live your whole life setting your own priorities or going after a vision 
that you don't know specifically is the reason God created you is a waste of life, unrecoverable. And then the Bible, after Adam's transgression, retrogrades man's physical existence in the earth and, and says to him he has three score and ten to live if by reason of strength four score where the first original man was created to live forever physically not only spiritually but physically live forever so that some of the statements that are made even by the pastor earlier about a man is to image God there is huge questions theologically about that. They, they think that you're supposed to be a good Christian and follow Jesus' example, but not carry the DNA of the creator of the ends of the world. Well, let me just say to you clearly, and I'll go through the Bible with you in a second. This is my introduction. No extra charge. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> God creates you to be like him, to live forever. So now some people want to say, well, well, now under the new covenant, we can live to be 120. And I don't want to die at 80, I want to die at 120. Well, you, you think longevity is an issue of life? The issue of life is fulfillment of purpose. Why God made you. So to live 120 years not knowing the will of God is a waste of life. So to want God to keep you here because of your husband or because of your wife or because of your children, wrong motives. The right motive is, why did you create me, God? Am I up to date in your will? And then when God is finished with you, you want to get out of here because you're going to live forever anyway. The only issue is where? I'm way ahead of you already on my introduction. Either totally away from God in hell, the lake of Gehenna, or in the heavenlies with him where it will be joy unspeakable and full of glory. There is not one experience you have in the earth that will match eternity in the face of the creator of the ends of the universe. Not to understand that is decline. Even the idea of being afraid of death says to some degree eternity is not real to you. Because this world does not express the fullness of the next world. So I would put my message under the title of Eternity Training. What this is today is Eternity Talk, but my subheading is Somebody is Coming After You. So with that in mind, let's go to Genesis. Don't I always start there? Those of you who know. That's what I do. And so, again, I thank God for all of you. I kind of like the translation when I uh, am able to 
say it and then pause, because otherwise, you'll see, forget about the notes, because I'm going to roll out here in a minute and validate what I just talked with you about, because at my age now, and God is so awesome, but I've always been serious. But boy, as we go from grace to grace, from faith to faith, from strength to strength, and from glory to glory, I realize I don't even know serious. Somebody who can create the universe as we look out and as man can only see about 14 billion light years out into the universe, which is in effect looking into the future, he's limited. God says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Beginnings and endings can only be understood in the light of the creation. It cannot be understood in the light of the creator because he, he's the self-existing one. He's El Shaddai. He always existed. Finite beings cannot understand that outside of the eternal realm. By faith you understand that God did not have a beginning and does not have an end. He creates a beginning and an end. When you look out at the universe and all that has been created and with all the discoveries of science and astronomy, man is still in a discovery mode at what God is bored with. That in every solar system, in every galaxy, which is said to be as numerous as the sands on the seashore of every uh, seashore on the face of the earth. There is that many galaxies. God could listen if there was a form of life on all of those other galaxies and all of those people were praying to him at the same time. He could hear every one of the requests with specificity and answer every one of them without being challenged by it. He's the, e he's the eternal God. He cannot be Defined or understood unless he reveals himself. You do not have the capability of describing him, defining him, because in reality, every language in here is a limited language and only has a certain number of words. Lexicographers create new words, but they're not sufficient enough to describe the God that we serve. In reality, you could bring together all the languages. As, as a matter of fact, our English language is really not a great translation of the Hebrew and the Greek that we read out of the Bible. In, because our, even our American language came from another language. And God is the author of languages. So, for example, if you saw God right now, what language would he greet you in? Would it be Russian? Would it be Chinese? Would it be Spanish? What language? When God says to you, what language? Hello, well done, my good and faithful servant. What language will that be in? Well, the author of languages isn't subject to it. He's not subject to the creation. He's the creator. He can communicate with you without saying a word. 
Now, all you have to do is being married a little while, and you'll understand that. Because your wife can really tell you exactly what she would say by a certain look. If she could do that being the created, how much more could the creator do that? You cannot define rebirth. It is something that God reveals to you inside of you that confirms the word. But your rebirth is greater than the word. Before God ever said words, he existed. In Genesis 1.1, where it says, in the beginning, God. Well, we can clearly say God was in the beginning before the beginning began. And then it said, God said, that's when he spoke. That's the beginning of the word, the spoken word. But God already existed. So in reality, when God limits himself and comes into a man and makes a man and, and, and physically makes him out of dirt, he allows himself to come inside of man, but the unlimited is defined within the limited. The frame and shape of man, which God defines himself as having eyes and nose and ears and feet and a body, he defines himself by that, but he existed before that. Now you're really looking at me hard. I'm really way ahead of you now. And I haven't even prayed and given you the scripture yet. That's okay. Still no extra charge. When I look at eternity for what it really is, and God for whom he is, I realize without his help, I'm way away from him. Not even close. Just as far as I am light years away from the, the strongest telescope, 14.2 or 5 billion light years away, way farther than that away from God, except that he reveals himself to me. You cannot discover God by searching. He has to come to you. So this is what I want to say. God ordained from eternity that you would be alive. Five things that I explained to you that are sovereign. Number one, your gender is sovereign. God decided it. If you don't like being a man or a male, which is different, of course, God determined that. You don't like being a woman? You said men have privileges that women don't have? What? Who are you talking about? Who do you have issues with? You don't like being a woman? Take that up with God. The culture you're at. Blacks, for example, in America, the, the issue right now that's really going on, I, I looked at O'Reilly uh, in the last few days, and he had a couple of black people, one black lady, a black attorney, and the other was a black city councilman. They were giving O'Reilly fits intellectually. But he was defining the, the uh, blacks in, relationship to, in relation to how the majority think of people. He didn't go back far enough. His definition didn't start with God. So you're dealing with the people that don't know who they are. And therefore, they feel like because of how they're treated, they need to be treated better. They don't realize that even if they were treated great, the vacuum, the emptiness inside of them, the identity crisis didn't begin with 
white people. It began with their break from the Almighty. They don't know why God brought them into this world and why he made them black. This is really getting good on the introduction right here. Just telling you. That's why you can call me black, nigger, dumb. Amen. Colored. You can call me any of those things. I already know who I am. The re creator of the world revealed to me who he is. My identity is in him. Amen. So therefore, you don't have the authorization to redefine the definer. I need to redemptively understand why I have a darker pigmentation, why I was born as a black man. But then, so that's three sovereign issues I've mentioned already, if you were following me. The other is the geography, where you were born, the country you were born in. You didn't decide that. So to criticize it, see, see it's criticizing the creator. He could have had you born in the royal family. You could have, your family could have been wealthy. So you think you're less than somebody because you didn't come from royalty? You think you're less than somebody? Because you, your family wasn't rich? Or do you think you're better than somebody because you were born in royalty? Or you are better off than somebody because you're rich? You think so? In the eyes of God, you're saying that God then has a lower view of you because of economics? Or a higher view of you because your family has money when he's the explanation for it? So what are you doing with a perspective outside of the creator himself. This is real good. Just telling you. When I start examining these things and realize that gender, family line, geography, watch this, the time in history I was born in. Sovereign, all sovereign, meaning God made those choices in eternity. The economic state of my family, who your father is, the fact that I didn't meet my father until I was 35. Born with a man, uh, a father who didn't know who he was. But I have counseled many children born in wealth that like what was described by um, Pastor Joaquin that being wealthy doesn't mean you understand how to raise children. As a matter of fact, most of the wealthy people I know, their actual challenge is they can't do wealth creation and spend the time necessary to raise their children. And that American view of raising children is economic provision. <coughs> they don't realize that who they are is what they have to pass down. But if they don't know who they are, they don't know the value of it. So they end up thinking that the kind of house they live, the kind of education they get their children. I mean, look, I mean, let's face it, one of the presidential candidates, one of his big issues is my mom insisted that I go to school, I get an education, and he says the great challenge of the of black Americans and of the poor is education. Well, guess what? All the troubles we are having right now, whether it's the economy, 
or whether it's the, the, the ISIL or whether it's the present president and the situation, whether it was the Secretary of State being challenged. These are all educated people. So if you think education is the solution, you're saying we should come to that and we should be them. No, it's not education. It's transformation. You have to go deeper than information. And it has to be greater than economics because when they talk about great America, they're talking about the free market system. They explain it in terms of the opportunities you have to make money. You're saying that's why America is great because you can make money if you come here. You're a knucklehead and anybody with you that think that are knuckleheads. You don't get it. So, since I've used up a lot of my time in my introduction, I'll give you a scripture in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 because the pastor already quoted verse 26. I'll go ahead and do 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Watch. Male and female created he them. Now, from that perspective, God said, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, look, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And then he defines their metron, their measure of rule, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. My Father, thank you so much for the revelation of your word. I thank you that these here are good ground for the truth. That this man's servant and his wife have, have sown truth into these who are under the sound of my voice, and they are hungry for the truth to be spoken to them, and they become the truth that's spoken because their hearts are willing in the day of thy power. And you said, Lord, that in the last days, that you would raise up a people and those people would become to this place uh, called glory and that you would return for this people. That means the glory, the things which are manifest, the things which are seen. They will be living epistles of what you determined from this word right here where you created Adam and his wife. Thank you for the opportunity. Now, God, I take a stand over every work of the devil against them, sicknesses and diseases Bondages of every kind, mental bondages, physical bondages, psychological bondages. I break the power of the devil, and in the authority of the name of Jesus, he casts out the spirit with his word. And I thank you, Lord, for the power of God healing the sick, restoring the brokenhearted, that the, that the release of God's spirit is causing manifestations to come where healings of hearts, backslidden, slitting Christians are being restored and the name of Jesus is being established in every heart and head of every person who receives this word. And I thank you they'll find their place and be used of you to be a blessing in the world before they die. And because of their example, people are finding out about them and coming after them because they represent you in the earth and your will. I glorify you and bless you for it now. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all the people of God said, Amen. that's what I believe about this church. Now, I went out to dinner with a few of the leaders last night. 
And I had a great time with them at dinner. But here's what impressed me more than anything. It was the hunger. It says in Psalms 110, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. That word willing means a free will offering. I've never been here where I sense that the people felt as though I was a bother to them in serving me in any kind of way. But beyond that, when I sense that, I give things out that I believe is from God to a level that I don't give it out where I'm in an environment where I know they're patronizing me. Patronizing for you who speak proper English. I'm ghetto and gutter by background so I may slip uh, in my enunciation occasionally. I don't worry about it, just get the point. <laughs> and I thank God for you. So today, I'm not doing acrostics. I'm not fixing anything. I'm giving you truth, and it doesn't have an order to it. It'll bring things into order, though, and it's in different categories. So what applies to you, receive it. What doesn't apply to you, just let it go. Because it doesn't take a lot of words that's from God that your heart is good ground for to transform you. Jesus said to Peter, he said, if it be thou bid me come, Jesus said, come. That caused a dynamic to break creative law where he could walk on what? One word. So don't get caught up again with just intellectual priorities. Just let your heart be good ground for something that's coming to you today that's going to transform you and bring you to a place that you've never been to do something you've never done. That's, that's where I am in this. And I'm good ground for it myself because I don't really have a clear clue on all that I'm going to be talking to you about here this morning. I'm sure you're happy about that. Right away when it says, and God blessed them. So I want to tell you that the woman have the same ability as the man. Because when God spoke this word in verse 28, he says, and God blessed them. The word in actual Hebrew means to speak well over and said unto them. So therefore, these fourfold declarations of the ability of man, that means man and woman, because the woman wasn't really made yet. This was in the creative, this was eternity talk. This was the eternal God talking to not just the physical man, but the spiritual man, because it wasn't until chapter 2 and verse 7 that he formed man. So you could know then, biologically you know, that he formed man out of the dust of the ground, and then later on in chapter 2, he then makes the woman and forms the woman, and then so the man, God never speaks directly to the woman. He speaks directly to the man after she was made. The man's responsibility was to speak to the woman. There was a divine order. So in that order, or what I call it, what you know in terms of the book, birth order, that's a sovereign issue. The fact that God made a man first and made a woman second, God didn't know how to do inferior. Meaning that if you're a woman and you're thinking you're less than a man, then you, gotta, you misinterpret God. You are the same as man because the same one that said, let us make man, 
also said it's not good that man should be alone, but I'm going to make a helpmate. So in reality, both man and woman is God's idea. So therefore, he is the one that puts the value on you. But secondly, but he also is the one that makes the assignment. You have the same value as the man, but a different assignment. It's way better than your response to that, though. I'll go ahead and tell you that. Glory to God. Thanking people, but there you are. And so men, because of what the pastor is talking about, what is a man, God defined the man, but God had already given the assignment to mankind. The woman was in the loins of the man because it was out of the man does God makes the woman. That's why it's a ridiculous thing for a man to say, I just can't understand my wife. Well, God says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So then if you don't understand your wife, then Christ don't understand the church because he defines how he's to understand the woman the same way as Christ understands his wife. says in Isaiah 54, thy maker is thy husband. We're headed for a marriage. He's going to marry the new Jerusalem, which comes down from God out of heaven. It's that woman that Abram saw. He looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. See? Now it moves from being a biological woman to on a natural level to being a spiritual woman on a spiritual level. The qualifications of the new Jerusalem are, are, are the qualifications that are in God. See? In, in Ephesians, he says it's a glorious church. And then he defines it. It has not spot, no wrinkle, nor any such thing, but it's holy and without blame. Now, Somebody got to say, whether you are actually walking in it or not, he's talking about me. That's what he says. Because the glorious church is the same person as the woman in Proverbs 31. Many women has fared sumptuously, but thou excels them all. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? There you are. The woman that excels all women is the church. No biological woman, no matter how excellent she is, is more excellent than the woman Jesus is going to marry. And you've heard me say this before. God is not going to let his son marry underneath his level. Do you get that? She's going to be perfectly suited for him. So the, the next marriage is an eternal marriage, see? And the bride is, getting, is making herself ready, see? So there's several things going on with you. You have to understand that God is going to qualify you. You're born again, but you may not be suitable to be unioned to Jesus. And my wife tells a story of, of, the, of any marriage. See, the guests that, are, are, that come to the marriage, including the family members, see, and all those others, prepare differently to come to the wedding than the bride. And so the guest, right, my wife says, goes to Kmart, buy a toaster or an iron, and brings it to the wedding or to the, what do you call that, they have afterwards. The reception, and that's what they do. But they prepare differently, you know. They may dress up and put on 
you know, formal attire and that, and they may look really cute, but they're not the bride. The bride's preparation is totally different. So my wife asked the question, are you preparing as a guest? You belong to the wedding, or are you preparing as the bride? They prepare differently. And so, consequently, God is only going to let his son marry the bride. His son is not going to marry the guests. You will be able to be in the family of God, and you're going to get rewards. But just as I've said this before, as the first woman came out of the body of Adam, right? Genesis, right? Two, God put Adam to sleep and then makes, takes the woman out of his Side, it says, in the actual Hebrew, it says sides. It doesn't say rib. It says sides. And in reality, she becomes the whole half of the man. She's the opposite. Opposites are attract. Do you get that? Okay, let me, let me just work it because you're not, you don't, you're, not, you're not, I'm ahead of you again. In other words, God is, didn't take a rib out of the man in the sense of how you and I think of ribs. When you go to uh, Longhorn and buy some ribs. That's the central part. But what that woman is, is she's the opposite. Now, I can really go into this really significantly in describing the difference between a man and a woman because the biology of a man is exactly opposite of the biology of a woman in the truest sense of where the union of the marriage bed occurs, but also in the sense of revelation. Since God makes the man first, and gives him the responsibility now of applying dominion mandate. He puts him in the garden and gives him his assignment. She wasn't made yet. So the premise is man then is made to please God. He has the assignment of God. Then God out of the man makes the woman and then brings her to the man. God doesn't tell the man who she is. Adam announces who she is. She should be called woman. So he names her. I mean, even her species. Therefore, defines her. Therefore, understands her. God didn't tell her the responsibility of the garden. He told the man. So that Adam not only was the husband of the woman, he was the visionary of the purpose of the woman. He says, she should be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then he takes first level responsibility. He says, therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. So you get now the creative ability of a man made in the image of God. He now sees into the future because there are no men and women. He now sees that there are going to be men and women, but he sees that the issue of, of the creation is a man being henpecked in his house. In actual fact, what happens in a marriage is a woman leaves her father and mother and cleaves to the husband. But that's not what Adam says. Adam says a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to the wife. Why? Because the man is the definer. She does not bring her father's name into her marriage with her husband. I'm way ahead of you again. 
This is why in, in Genesis 5, where in Genesis 3 it says, and Adam called his wife Eve, God corrects that, and he says, and Adam called their name Adam. And God called their name Adam. Do you remember this? You, you know, are you with me? They're with you. You taught them all that. They should get it. They're slow in responding right now. I need them to know. Because if you don't tell me that you're with me, then it's just going to make me take longer. And you're hurting the next service because I only have another two hours before the next service starts. <laughs> uh, evangelistically speaking, like guys talk about the size of the churches and stuff. But no. So this is hugely important, though, that you understand this in terms of defining who you are and how God made creation. Amen. So then... Man has a God said. Woman has a man said. So every man, when a woman marries a man, she leaves her daddy's priorities because she's in her daddy's house. She has her daddy's name. Now, she has a mom, but it's her daddy's name. That's why I don't mind when a man has four daughters, he tries for a fifth to get a son. The point is, his name must stay in the earth. Names have def definition. The progeny of the, of the father is passed down to the children. Because once she marries, I married my wife, she does not have a hyphenated name. She is Mrs. Wellington Boone. She's not, she's not Mrs. Uh, uh, Catherine Watley Boone, her daddy's name, her daddy done. Me, it's me. Now you married into this destiny right here. Glory to God. She knows it already. She knows it. And so it's, it's, it's important. But here's the point. Her daddy was good enough with her mom to raise her to the level where I said, I want her forever. So therefore, that's why I gave great honor to her mama and her dad, because they got her to the level where I wanted to marry her and she wanted to marry me. But she was the product of their upbringing. They, they deserve great honor and respect. So on her birthday, I would give her mama flowers. <laughs> That's right. But after now, this November, next month, will be 42 years. We would have been married. Glory to God. Up in here, up in here. I'm just saying. <laughs> Glory to God. So here we go, and here we are. And as we come to that, four, that 42nd year, if I didn't want her, and she's been with me 42 years, she would be the product of what I made her into. So I would be rejecting my own handiwork because she has my name. She followed my vision. She has my priorities. I don't like her. She doesn't honor me. Maybe I'm not honorable. And you're looking outside of the defining input that you gave her. You don't like her. She doesn't make you happy. What? You married her when she's with her daddy. Now you don't want her that she's been with you? 
That's your work. Now, here's what I don't like thinking. I don't like thinking that I say I'm born again. I have the Spirit of God in me. I'm putting the Word of God inside of me. And, I don't, and I'm trying to reach the whole world, yet I don't have enough to the person closest to me that sees me up close day and night that I can't make one person happy. Because the one person in my house validates me to the public. So I don't, I don't mean to say this, but look, I mean, my wife just, on the way here, my wife told me she wanted, she needed some brassiers. <laughs> but she says, like, they're expensive and all this. I need, well, I didn't know she needed them. But I don't care if they're expensive. So she, was, she didn't want to stop off at the store. So I stopped off. I stopped off. At the, at the store. And then called her up, and she was somewhere, and I said, look, what size do you wear? I'm picking them out. I'm picking them out. She said, you can't pick them out for me, and all this. I said, well, if you don't come up here, I'm going to definitely get them. Because <laughs> why? I named her. She has my name. <laughs> she is insufficient in terms of what she said in terms of Brazier's. So if I have the union of the marriage bed and I, and I can see her with nothing on, I certainly can know how to take care of putting something on. So I, I was in the brazier. I told her where the brazier section was in the store. So come up here. I'm up here waiting for you. So she came up. And then when we looked for the side, she couldn't find the side. I said, I got you. Then I'll pick them all out for you. I'm up in here, up in here. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm picking them out. Picking them out. Got them things for you. Oh, they're expensive. I don't care. You carry my name. The issue wasn't the cost. The issue was you needed them. And I don't want you thinking in a substandard way, married to me, because I'm going to make you happy. I have enough of God to make you happy. And if you're not happy, I'm upset about it. Yeah. See, if you wasn't asking me all those questions, I would be way out there right now with some more stuff. But I'm, foundation, I have to go work that. But that's what I'm talking about. Because why? Because for me to talk about world domination, which I'm dealing with this. So my wife, I know what she does. She talks about me behind her back, behind my back to other people. But I don't do it for that reason. I don't care if she doesn't mention it to anybody. As long as there is peace in my house, when I walk up in there, I want her running to me. It ain't about sex. She's just glad I'm around. She loves me. My wife runs me down right now. Why do you think she's with me right now? I mean, if I want to go minister somewhere, she says, I'm going. I mean, it's got to be like told men that she's, she want to be with me. See? Somebody should be running you down. Is your wife still running you down? Are you running from her? Because you said she's always fussing, you know, she's always giving you responsibility. She's always, you're running from her? Well, she's been with you how long? So you don't like, you don't want to be around her? You hang with the guys more? 
than her. She's not the priority hangout person. And you, you women, I mean, if your brother likes football, I mean, you're trying to convince him not to like football because you don't like it? You're a helpmate. If the dude likes football and he's working to make you happy, but even if he wasn't, amen, learn football, learn quarterback, learn his favorite team, learn, learn, look, look, learn all the players on there, and then look, blow his mind and say, look, I saw they, they ran a, a, a T in the backfield. Now, they have, they have two halfbacks. I mean, go into it with him. I saw the defensive alignment of this other team, and that's why the runner couldn't get through the line very well because this was the problem. Blow his mind. If it makes him happy, you want it to make you happy, right? Now you women quiet on me. See, when I was talking about him, you was noisy. <laughs> but it's, I'm not talking about mutuality. I'm talking about as unto God. You, you want to be a help capable for him. If, if that makes him embrace you more, by, by getting into a sport with him and, 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 and knowing and understanding that. And he's really seeing, my wife is into this thing. She knows this. And she saw that, look, Peyton Manning may be old, man, but look, he's still, Denver is still 5-0. and And I'm still thinking that maybe he still has some game left. Threw quite a few interceptions so far, more than what he normally throws, but I think he still has game. What do you think, honey? <laughs> blow that dude's mind, man. Don't let that, blow that dude's mind. Glory to God. Okay, you got me off. You have a seed of a great model here. It's not his Hispanic model. It's an eternal model that any culture can find. I mean, look, I went out to dinner. It was husband and wife out to dinner with me. Last. The wives were up on the edge of the seat too listening to me talk, just like the husband. In other words, she's saying, I'm not going to let him get some of this, and, and I'm not getting some of this. I'm going to know exactly what he's talking about up in here. When I mentioned that I was up there buying brassiers for my wife, and, she's, and I said, look, I like the clothes that, that I mentioned. I like the pants. I like the, the fabric that, of this pants that this woman had on. And she said, my husband picked that out. That's what I'm talking about. Well, my wife put on what she put on this morning. I, I looked at her and said, okay, you want to do it? She says, well, they always wear dresses. Not very many times do they wear pants. She's trying to accommodate what's happening here because I bought her some slamming <laughs> pants that broke a paradigm. Uh, oh, man, it broke something. I broke something when I bought it. Went to the store with her, and these are um, super baggies, like Sinbad. That wear the super baggies pants, super baggies and pouches up down the bottom of the jeans, you know. And then I bought her this blouse that kind of, it's, it's unusual, that kind of drapes over it, you know, over her. So that, you know, when she walks, she can like have a swagger kind of on her when she walks in here. Bought her shoes to match the jeans. Now, normally she's Virginia. They're conservative. They don't wear that. I said, baby, baby, we're breaking the paradigms. Just... We're going to places where no man has gone before. Oh, woman, baby. Don't let nobody stereotype you. You're an awesome woman. You're not to be ignored. Somebody's coming after you, baby. 
Okay, now let me give you about four or five things in relation to why and how important you are. Now, I want to say a couple things in this. God does not know how to create mediocre. Secondly, he didn't make two of you. You're only one of a kind. So therefore, if you don't do it, the job you're called to do, you miss something that the earth needs badly. You are the person that brings to critical mass the pressure against the enemy in darkness. Like, the, the, when I look at the presidential candidates, I, I, candidates, I, I don't, I, I mean, America says, you're all lying to me. And then you have this one candidate on the Republican side that people believe, well, at least he's not a professional. And the two non-professional politicians are the ones that are leading on the Republican side. Well, how could that be? Because they're the ones that seem to be believable. People are tired of being manipulated and lied to. The other side don't get it. The other side, even that the woman that's running over there on that side, says, well, I don't think they have... A, um, a corner on Christian. Let's show them that we can be Christian too. You mean you can politically just do that? That's what she thinks. She looked at those that claim to be Christian and think they're just doing it because politically it has an effect on making more and more people vote for them. So she said, well, I can, we can just do that too and therefore get more votes. That's where Christians are missing because we're supposed to be the exceptional people who are in demand. Now, I can tell you about the history of this nation, the, the declaration, which the pastor probably explained to you. I may have um, that document in my revolutionary's handbook right here. I carry it with me, spiritual revolutionary's handbook. And in that, I usually carry significant things like the first colonies and what was said about Jesus and God in those original documents. I want to see them. I have the declaration in here. I have the New England primer, which how we learned uh, the ABCs in this country using quoting Bible scriptures. I have the actual document. I carry them around because I realized that our nation was built upon the underpinnings of somebody serious about God. It wasn't afraid to talk about Jesus in the marketplace. Now, let me go strong with you just for a minute. He said, a family is a man and a woman. So a family, he didn't say, well, Schaefer used to say, when you say what God wants or what you want, you also got to say what you're not saying. So he did this, these documents and affirmations and denials. You not only affirm what you believe, but say what you're not saying. That clarifies the argument. So what's happening now out in the culture is we don't know who to believe. And here's what we're challenged with. Hardly anybody is strong with the name of Jesus. They're not quoting the Bible. Now, a couple of them, and I won't go back into Rubio's speech that he made at Liberty University. I speak at Liberty and their convocations too. I know that. That was set up. Okay? Um, this man, Trump, though, really just has a bunch of people following him. He's not just talking in ready-made, and I'm, I'm staying over there at Trump Towers right now. The, the, he spoke over there. Listen, I, I was taking my wife out to dinner. I didn't even know he was speaking until I called the pastor, and, but she still had to go to dinner. I said, is Trump 
or my wife to dinner, Trump got kicked. <laughs> he got big time kicked too because I wasn't going to rush her to get back to Trump. But I did see what was happening. Packed. You couldn't hardly get in uh, there. And the place was crowded. And I didn't know this. He said he'd never, you know, uh, done his thing here in Florida. So he did it in his own facility. Well, what do you know? And I was as close to him when I got back. They were taking him in a golf cart to the speak to speak. And I was about to go ghetto on him and say, hey, Trump, hey, bro, look, I want to tell you something. And I was going to give him a word. You know, I was going to, you know, say a word. I, I do have something that I believe would help him. I, 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 would, I, I will get to him in some way if God wills it. But I have some questions that would probably offend him at first because Jesus is called the rock of offense. So if I don't offend you somewhere before I end this message, then you know I'm kind of patronizing you. You got to hear something that kind of gets you a little agitated with me because that you're not perfect yet. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you got to hear something that locates you where you're not doing it and you can say to God, I'm sorry, please help me there. I should do that for you, helping a brother and a sister out with that. Okay? Glory to God. Adam reversed the role of a man when he received a word from his wife that didn't come from God. So that was where the spirit of henpeck started. Do you know that terminology? Henpeck? You know, it was a man is more like a woman. He doesn't stand up and say, baby. See, so he didn't just let the devil talk to his woman, which you can see that in Genesis 3, let the devil talk to his woman. He had been given authority of the whole garden, so he should have run the serpent that was talking to his woman out of there, say, what are you doing talking to my woman, and kicked him out. You get out of here. He had the authority to do it. He was made in the image of God. He had ability. He named the serpent. He knew the serpent was out of character, right? Secondly, when his wife ate off the tree, he should have shut that down. He should have said, baby, don't touch that fruit. Do you understand? God said we not to do that. Woman! It's getting a little ghetto, but that's serious about the word of the Lord. You're violating the word of God. I'm standing here, and you're going to eat fruit like that that God said not to eat in front of me? Up in here. You put that down right now. <laughs> See? Somebody said, I wouldn't be married to him. I don't know. He, are you like that? If, he's, if she's going against the word of God, she knows I'm like that. I mean, I was one of those kind. Got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, great while before day. My wife would say to me, why do I have to wake up every morning? And you are not there? Did, why did you get married if you're not going to be there when I wake up in the morning? And then I'd look back at her and I'd say, I want to be sure that the first voice that hears my voice, in ears that hears my voice every morning is God, not woman. Woo! That was some strong stuff. But I was missing it. Because Why? Because she wanted to hear God's voice just as much as mine. And not only that, if I was made in the image of God, hearing my voice to her would be hearing God's voice if I had a word from God for it. And so what's happening now is I wake up at 3 o'clock. She, oh, she'll wake up at 3 o'clock. She's in the word. Like some of you should be every morning. And she's tapping me like 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning. She's tapping me on the shoulder and says, are you awake I said, don't you see me singing the song of the Lord? Does it? Of course I'm asleep. What are you doing? 
Now she's waking me up. But you know what? I, I got to expose myself. I'm loving it. The woman is getting up in the Word, reading through the Bible every day in the Word. Now, I, I know that the golf tournament is on. I get back to the room, and I'm looking at the golf tournament. I like to see. Now, there's no sin in looking at the golf tournament, but she goes out on the porch, take the Word out there on the porch, the balcony of the room. She's in the Word. That's what I'm talking about up in here. No, I'm not backsliding. So the third thing that happens is that he listens to the wife and disobeys God. Now the woman is giving, the, the man is receiving. He changes, she changes the priority of how the family work. Guess what? He's now receiving from his wife. When God comes to the man, what's the first thing he says? I mean, in terms of, of the judgment, he says, because you hearken to the voice of your wife, now she's giving and he's receiving. See? In the union of the marriage bed, the man gives and the woman receives. So now let me say it. Now, this is strong. That's where the spirit of the punk came into the culture. Adam was henpecked. That means you acted like a woman at a time. You should have acted like a man. You should have told the servant to get out. You should have told his wife not to eat off that. And then she come to me and God, and, and you disobey God through her voice? And God got issue with it. He said, because you hearken to the voice of your wife. And then he defines it. And did that which I commended you not to do. So there you have it right there. From that point on, the spirit of henpeck came into man. Abram. Henpeck. You know what I'm talking about? You know, don't tell Abimelech that you're my wife, right? You hiding behind your wife's dress, dude. Stand your ground. Get killed standing on the ground. But don't get hide behind your wife's dress. Do you know what I mean? You got your wife to lie to save yourself. You're supposed to be the man standing up driving. No, God's going to protect me. Yeah, she's my wife, and don't you look at her. Wouldn't it be better dying a martyr, letting the, kill, the king kill you? You're the patriarch. you got a covenant with God. God wants you to die, but don't, lie, don't get your wife to lie for you. Look the dude in the mouth and say, what you talking to my woman for? You're going to need more than an army to stop me, to get me off of you. Right? Now, come on. What man in here wants some dude talking to his woman? And you're looking at her, and the woman is really concerned. You're talking about, you're going to take her into your harem? Your harem? It's going to take about 10 of y'all to stop me from getting on you, buddy. Oh, my wife know right now I'm jealous. With a godly jealousy, too. I don't say, ooh, somebody, look, baby, what? All right, don't play that stuff. That's not ghetto. That's God. That's God right there. He's looking at my woman. I look at her like that. Don't you look at her like that. See what I'm saying? She feels secure when her husband is acting like that. No woman feels secure when he says, and then I, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Isaac did the same thing. What is it? The tendency. Where did it begin? With Adam. Isaac got his wife to lie for him too. You henpeck. By the time it gets to Jacob, Jacob's name is deceiver. So your daddy, your granddaddy were liars. Now you got the spirit of lying. Your whole name means deception. 
40 years in your uncle's house, 20 years or so, and then uh, you get your leg broken when you finally meet the angel of the Lord. You can't become a patriarch until you have a change of nature. That character in you has to be changed. In the meeting of the angel of the Lord, he bruises or breaks your thigh, and now you walk with a limp. But that limp represents not a henpecked man, but a man now that will stand for truth, buddy. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Pastor, I'm not going to leave up out of here. I don't care about dinner. Until you finish the message, give me my food. I got to eat the meat. Don't give me no Casper milk take those messages. And that's what I like about you hear him, right? I like, I quote him all the time in different places. He's not playing around. Serious people is coming at him. If they don't come at him, they don't belong with him. When you get serious for God, serious has already made provisions for you. Okay, here it is. I'm one minute past my time. Give me two more minutes then. How serious are you? Is God coming at you to give you more ground or coming at you to restrict you because the ground he's given you, you're henpecking it? You weren't a man of God. You weren't a woman of God. See? Now, for the women, you, 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 know, you, know, you don't smile up in somebody's face if you're married and the guy's complimenting you and being all cute because you know what he's after. He's a dog. You don't dress to attract him to your sexuality because you're not going to be dainty like that forever. And even if you do, you're going to get wrinkles. And after a while, <laughs> it's called the beauty of holiness. You cultivate your inside. Let it not be the outward adorning or the plaiting of the hair. He's talking about the externals. But let it be the hidden man of the heart. What, what man? It's the man Christ. But that man of God that you're married to shaped that insides of you. You got the beauty of chastity and the beauty of humility and the beauty of a servant spirit and the beauty of a blessedness and the beautiness of, a, of an empowering spirit inside of you. Your husband sees you. In this church, I'm going to just say one prayer. This city belongs to somebody. Now, the pastor called me up and said, look, the mayor may be there. I'm going to call the mayor, get the, the head policeman that's going to be at T Doral. If you, I said, I'll just walk in. Really, I didn't want to be bothered with him if I did go in. But no, he's, but he wasn't playing around about it. He wants to get his bishop right up there in, in the, the presidential candidate's face. So he calls up the mayor. Then the mayor gives him. The, the police chief or the head policeman, he sends me his cell number of the police chief so I could call him up and say, escort me up there in the uh, important, the dignitary's place. Now, I didn't mind doing that, but right then, though, the dignitary was my sweetness, so I had to kick him to the curb. The, so, but the same thing, I, my Bishop Hunt got sick. I had an appointment with Ben Carson. I've been on a board with Ben Carson for, for 10 years. 
I, I, I got something I need to say to him. I will say to him, but I know when is the timing of the Lord. I had to go to the hospital and be with Bishop Hunt until and pray him through that crisis that he had of that brain aneurysm. It was almost that blood fell, blood in his front, blood in the middle of his head, and blood in the back of his brain. And God delivered him out of it. I can show you the pictures. And so that was more important than the presidential candidate. I don't mind selfies, but look, I'm not taking pictures with important people. I'm in communion with the most important person in the world, and that's the Almighty God. If I can get to God, no man in the earth is attractive to me. The president should know about me, and he should want me to sign his Bible. Pray for his family. The governor of a state. Why? Because he doesn't know anybody who knows God the level that God has revealed himself to me. He doesn't know anybody that can unveil truth out, that can talk out of Ezekiel and Revelations and Isaiah and talk stuff out of there that I haven't seen written in commentaries. I got it from fasting and praying and getting before God and staying days before him when the football game was on and the golf. And so the fat bulls will ask me, he said, well, how, how, what's, how much do you play golf? They're trying to size me up. Say, well, how could this guy have this revelation? And he must play golf a lot. How much do you play golf? I said, I'll say, and then, and then he said, say, what's your prayer life like? And then I'll, I'll turn it into a question. I'll say, are you asking me that because you want to spend some time with me in prayer? <laughs> and well, no, I just want... I'm not doing no courtesy with you. That's none of your business because now you're meddling. But if you want to spend some time, if you think you can get this anointing on your life by playing golf all the time and looking at golf, looking at football, you got another thought coming. Is anybody coming at you? What would happen if somebody put a day or two or three aside and spent those three days with you? What would happen in their lives? Would there be a transformation based on the priorities that you would set by them having to follow you? What would happen? What would happen if somebody prayed with you when you prayed? What would happen to them? If somebody read like you read, what would happen to them? Stand up on your feet. Every person in here that know you want to go to the next level in God. Now, the next service is going to be in, in, in Spanish, right? So my message will be shorter, but even more intense. So I'm leaving you with this, these questions. A person cannot stay the same and spend significant time with you. They can't. You must be the transforming person that even if one of those people running for president spend time with you, because can't you listen to them and tell they don't have any substance in terms of God? How can you be ashamed of the name of Jesus? Who's mentioning Jesus when they're on the campaign, when Fox News is on, and when CNN News has them? Who's mentioning the name of Jesus and quoting Scripture and saying, no, Jesus said this. Isaiah the prophet made this statement. We're in the same time frame and the same kinds of things going on now that went on in the time that Isaiah was living. 
Elijah came. And this. So I'm going to talk with you the next service about the men whose lives changed history. And so that you can identify, is the potential in you to be a history maker? That's what you got to find. Because inside of you, if you haven't found the will of God and you're not doing it, there is a dissatisfaction with you. And you may be running to malls to try to be satisfied. You may be running to uh, basketball games and football games to try to somehow be significant. You may work all the time, but you'll never be satisfied in anything natural. You have to engage God like you've never engaged him before. Glory to God. I want to see you. If it's all right with pastor, sacrifice your next meal and stay with me for the next service. And sit on the floor like the young people do if necessary. Sit on the side. I don't care. But it's that important right now for what God is doing and for what he wants to say to you because you're too important to come to church for a sermon. You're coming for a message. There is something for you. That's going to make your future different than your past. And I'm talking about better so that you know God is in it. All of us, watch, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That was said to Christians at Rome. So that meant they were already saved, but they were short of the level they could operate at. A word is what's going to take you to that level. A word. It's going to be a word. Because all of our lives consist of words. Your education is words. Your priority is words. Your thoughts are words. A word can change your future. Say this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, say it after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I've heard your word. I have been good ground for the truth. I now know the truth, and the truth has set me free. I'm not loose living, but truth is inside of me. I can be trusted to have new assignments. I can be trusted with incredible finances. I can be trusted with promotion and influence and power because I live for you. Don't let me die until your will is fulfilled in my life. I repent right now for the level I've been living on. There's a greater level for me. I embrace it. Take me there. Holy Spirit, you're the one. Take me to the Lord at the level that pleases him. Hear my cry in Jesus' name. You've done it today. I'll see it manifest in my lifetime in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Glory to God. Glory. Glory to God. My Father. Glory to God. Amen. Pastor, could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the manhunt, what you're launching in the nation? It's it's in the same alignment with what he's doing. The difference is, as far as I'm concerned, I'm running them down, too, like him. It says, out of Ezekiel 22 is where my foundation scripture, he says... Uh, I'm looking for, he says, the priests, the prophets, the princes, which are political leaders, business leaders, and the people, now they're affected the people, have all displeased God. And God says, I look for a man amongst them. 
to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. So God is looking at all these people and their debauchery and says, I'm hunting you down. I'm running you down. So I have laid aside the pastorate, and now I'm going out to the culture, and I'm going to hit them but, and raising up disciples. And I want to say to you guys, get up under the pastor and move to becoming a disciple. Take his messages. Don't just hear them, learn them, and preach them like they're yours. That's your food. If God's spoken that message to him, preach that message all over the place. I mean, you take notes so you can preach it. That's why he's telling it to you. So you're not a hearer, you're an adherer. You should say, every message that my pastor preaches, I know every one of them. You learn those messages, and you get them down, and then you get you some sons following you. When I was with Joey, I was with him last night, and he says, well, I tell this message, and I tell the message that God's given me, and that messages that he heard, and of course he's hearing too. That's not your phone. Hello, we're going for God over here. And the word of the Lord is going out real strong right now. You call just in the nick of time. Glory to God. Oh, sorry. That's okay. We got it through. We got it through. We got that message out right there. So I'm going after him. But particularly, I'm going after uh, the black man. And, and I've, I've never done it. I've always spoken in, in, in basically large white churches, and he met me in Promise Keepers and places like that. But it's the black man right now who has a lost identity, and they're dying. They're going in depopulation in many cities. You know what depopulation is? It means the death rate is higher than the birth rate. They don't know why they should live, so they're dying. So I'm going into these cities. I've been invited to numbers of cities, uh, East St. Louis, uh, Cleveland, Harlem, New York, different places. I was with Creflo Dollar last week, and uh, he wants me to come to all of his men's things and, and to start doing stuff to target those people. And, uh, and you know I'm going to be uh, talking a little bit different, but he can appreciate me talking and screaming and fussing. In reality, uh, I'm a dad. I want to see everything he's doing fulfilled. And I know that the people that I know, I am not ordained to reach all of them. And I, I, wanna, I want him to meet some of the sons that are just like him but don't have his emphasis, his message. He has to reach them. At my age, 67, I'm not trying to be anything at this point. I, I've lived longer than I'm going to live. So I'm, I got to make sure I give out the things that's going to make a difference regardless. And that the favor that I have with this man's servant and you, that you could reach people that maybe you're supposed to reach and I'm not, but I have access to them. So like he was on that show there, uh, I know that Mr. Ellenwood knows a person that can get you on the 700 Club again and then the way you emphasize it, the way you say it. I know Pat would love that and those people over there at CBN and that. So it's stuff like that that I want to do right now. I'd rather do that than to talk to masses. I'm not, I've already done that. I want to talk to individuals that's going to take the word and do something with it from young all the way to old. And so some of you oldies, don't die on me. Stay alive. Be like me, a visionary. Uh, you know what? Uh, Ann Jimenez came at our conference, and she's 84. She's uh, out of Virginia Beach. She said, I heard that 60 is now the new middle age, like 40, right? So she says, I know God wants me to go global. So you know what she's doing? She's going to China, India, everywhere. So 
my wife is pushing me to do the same thing. She loves traveling and doing this, and I'd rather be with people that are receiving what I'm saying. I don't want to do force feeding. I, and then I'd rather take you and give you something that you don't know or let you meet somebody that I know that you should meet. I'd rather do that, and then I'm happy. You have great marriages. So that's where, really where I am. And uh, again, I want to thank you. You're a fat boy and all that. I want to thank your daddy, too, that your dad can listen to you take that, talk that message and be the man that he is and say, that's my son right there. In whom I'm ready. What place? Yes, sir, yes. buddy. And then, and then he got them to the place where they were good ground for God to take them to the next level. So you got all of those sons of his are going for it. And I want to back you with your sons and believe God to use them not just in one culture or in one nation, but across the cultural, because you're a son. This is a radical animal right here. But all, all of your sons are radical. And then I love the fact that you guys are strong in family in this church. Amen. Yes. And you stay together. And even today, we're going to eat in here. And I've been here one time when you ate. We ate like that. I like that. But some of the ghetto people, they're not doing that anymore. They want to rush out. So but thank you, Dad, for listening to your, dad, your son talk like that Amen. and define his background and you not be offended at all. Like, no you said, that's my son right there. Going for God, so I thank God for you. We're, we're together in this thing here. Give God for you too. I talk about thank you. glory to God. Thank glory to God. Yes, sir. Man of God too, man. Passing his sons, going down to do it, and his sons, sons, and look at him right there, your grandson. Yes. Look at how he's standing. Yes. He's ready to take his dad. He's ready to take over right man. now. I said, Dad, why don't you go ahead? And go to the nation. I'll take it from here. He's 20, right? Yeah. Look how he's standing. All in all. They all, all of them. Come on, who's the men of God that can take it from here? Go ahead. Let me see your hand. You take it from here. We're taking, we're taking it. Okay, God bless you, God. Let's raise our hands to heaven. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for the gift that you've given men to bring us to the stature, to the measure, to the fullness of a perfect man in Christ Jesus. We receive this. In our Pastor Appreciation Month, oh God, as a gift of God to our lives, we're serious about what you're serious. We pray your blessing upon every family, upon every son and daughter, Father God, that we might inherit your precious promises. For those of you that, for those of those that seek the, the kingdom of God with all their heart, mind, and strength, oh God, put away foolishness, pull away other earthly vanity, temporary. Uh, pursuit, Father God, of earthly treasure when you want to bestow a, an inheritance upon those that seek your face. We give you thanks for the First Lady, Catherine Boone, Father God, for her example. We give you thanks, Father God, for how she serves and honors and seeks your face, Lord, to allow her husband to finish the race with great joy and great reward, Father God. Give him the fruit of their influence. Give him the fruit of of, of, of vast treasure, of lavish, extravagant provision, that they lack nothing in these days, O oh God, and that their children might be graced with honor upon the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen.